Have you ever stopped to think that virtually everything we use in our daily lives is based on technology? Even further, do you understand the software behind this technology? Welcome to The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. In today's program, you'll hear how software is created and implemented, why it's written the way it is, and learn from its success stories, proven best practices, and significant failures. Now, here is your host, Martin Lacey. Good morning and welcome to The Art of Software. I'm Martin Lacey from Lacey Technology. Today we're going to be talking about the tools and technology used to build applications and services and software, generally speaking. Um, So today's show is about uh, where to start, depends on where you want to go, and that, you know, within the context of tools and technology. Um, so in, in this week's episode, we're going to explore the vast breadth and depth of tools available to software professionals, those that improve quality, capability and reach, and those to avoid potentially. Um, we will, uh, review the types of choices available of each of the software layers and help identify the ones you may need for your next development project from web and mobile user interfaces to system services and databases, compilers, runtimes, uh, as well as environments, architectures, frameworks, and libraries. Uh, even pushing on beyond that, uh, we're going to talk about areas that I'm, uh, co- big on and yet my guests are much more um, uh, familiar and that's dealing with implementation services and helping to build out that that uh, larger view of uh, a business infrastructure so with that in mind I want to introduce to you my two guests Paul Twig uh, who's the VP of technology at uh, Sierra Systems and uh, Walter Sheepstra who's a lead solutions specialist uh, for Sierra as well. Welcome to the show, fellas. Thanks, Martin. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Walter, if we can begin with you, um, uh, only because I've talked to uh, Paul before. Not not picking <laughs> on you, Paul, but we'll come to you in a moment. Um, so, Walter, if you don't mind, uh, for our audience, if you can give us a little bit of uh, explanation as to what you do as a solutions architect and... Um, uh, just how you came to to where you are today? Yeah, sounds good. Well, it, it, it's a bit of a a long story, but I'll give you the, the short version. So, um, after after a life uh, in the army, I guess I, I started to switch to what we call civilian life. And because of my interest in IT, I started with uh, which was then basically the first position that you'll ever do when you get into IT was service support, right? So I started on a help desk. And I slowly but surely started moving my way up, I guess, and got an interest in IT service management. So more on the on the support and services side, right? ITIL uh, is probably a familiar term. And from that, I moved on to more like project roles, like project lead, project management, and got exposed to ERP, in, in, in this case, Dynamics Navision. Um, I was involved as a business analyst to create integrations between several uh, building maintenance systems and and a Navision um, uh, instance, which spurred my interest and and further exploration of of ERP software. I started to move into that sphere with um, uh, HH Software, which do Dynamics AX um, implementation. And this is all still in, uh, hence the accent, still in in the Netherlands. And then I moved... uh, after a crazy idea, moved to Canada and um, became a <laughs> consultant at Sierra Systems here in Calgary. And you landed in Calgary, of all places. 
Well, I started in, 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 in Toronto or in Oakville, and then, well, then I moved to real Canada, so the mountains, and, and snow as of today, again, yes. uh, with Sierra Systems, uh, where I became a, a like a functional consultant with Dynamics AX um, uh, implementations, now Dynamics D365, and now I'm slowly but surely moving out of that and again into uh, more pre-sales, so uh, hence the, the term solution specialist and trying to get a more broad view on what's out there and what do we need for, like you just said in the intro, the, the, the big implementations of ERP and CRM software. Yes, exactly. So, and for our guests, say, uh, can you explain what, what those acronyms just are, the ERP and well, ERP is the Enterprise Resource Planning, right? And, right. and, and CRM, uh, Customer Relationship Management. Um, used to be two fairly separate uh, solutions or apps or tools, and uh, slowly but surely starting to move closer together, where the ERP is more on the operational side of things. So where you have your accounts payable, your accounts receivables, the, the inventory, right, the supply chain processes, and CRM is more on the... On, on the front end, getting from that lead to a prospect to a customer and, and maintaining that relationship. That's interesting. So I, already we're starting to see a uh, an integration between the two, uh, just yeah. in just in your introduction. <laughs> <laughs> and and for for your Paul, Paul, for, you, for yourself, can you uh, tell our uh, listeners uh, a bit about yourself? Absolutely, and I got no problem going second here, Mark. We're, <laughs> we're good uh, with that. So uh, VP of Technology at Sierra Systems, uh, you know. Been a developer for a lot of years, uh, close to 25 years, again, show, showing my age. And uh, right now, I get to oversee a lot of the development activities that happen at Sierra Systems. Excellent. And so you get you get to see from a, a really high view over all these forests, if you will, forests of development, forests of uh, businesses, um, trying to explore how, how to approach their their local problems and from your perspective you get to see how all these different organizations are are approaching the problems am i correct yeah no absolutely one of the interesting things that actually comes out of my current role is i get to interview a lot of developers and uh, part, part of that interviewing process you get insights into how applications are built in other organizations and and the tools you know i think we've come a long way from you know uh let's say developing a, a complete web application in notepad uh yeah. today you know <laughs> it, it's uh, you know with all the testing you know the automated scripting that happens in notepad uh things to today that you know we, when we sit down and interview uh, custom developers, we talk to them about 21 different tools that we have in our tool set uh, for a developer at Sierra. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I was kind of talking before the show. Uh, I, I do a little um, uh, live feed and, you know, reflecting back on when we first started, uh, you, you and I both, uh, we were using text editors. You know, I was using mm -hmm. Vi. Right on a Unix system, it's nothing more than a text editor. That's how we wrote programs. There was no IntelliSense. There was no additional help. It was, you know, an, a Notepad. Yeah. Well, Notepad progressed to Notepad plus plus, right? Yeah, it's, it's still, still one of our development tools. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I I still use Notepad for some things, some HTML stuff, but you know. So. Um, now that we've had our introductions, let, let's sort of dig into the various types of tools. Um, now, uh, things have evolved tremendously since uh, we started 20, 30 years ago. Um, 
as Paul was saying, we've evolved from a notepad, which is a, a very simple text-based editor, um, to a suite of tools covering all aspects of, of solutions delivery. Um, so we've got tools for project management and process management, tools for modeling processes and data, tools for doing the actual development itself, tools for implementations, and that's you know uh, a, a real blind spot for me. And I hopefully um, uh, we'll get some light on that from our guests. Um, we've got tools for testing, tools for deployment, tools for monitoring, tools for monitoring performance and usage and activity. Um, so the breadth of tools out there now uh, reflect the complexity of software itself and the, and the various layers of, of software uh, necessitate all these tools to help the developers, the architects, um, the visionaries, uh, the software solution, uh, solution architects to put all these pieces together. So um, with that in mind, we've only got a couple of minutes before our break, but Walter, could I ask you, how do you deal with that from a, uh, from a holistic point of view? How do you wrap your head around all these tools and technologies when you approach a customer and they've got a business problem? Yeah, that's a good question, and, and, and I, th I think that's an, an ongoing process, even for us, right? So uh, from a consultant or from an implementation partner perspective, there is a lot out there. And what I think is we're, we're getting towards where the integration of, of those tools or where, where the tool set is, is more complete from start to finish, I think we're getting there. We're not there yet, but from, from the dispersed model of where we're we're using Excel for our requirements and we've got a project management tool somewhere else and, and, and we'll just figure out how to how to work together, right? That That's all changing, especially, in, 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 and of course, Paul and I are more on the, on the Microsoft spectrum uh, right. with lifecycle services and, and Visual Studio Team Service and TFS and all those kinds of tools are are more and more integrating and, and and I'm not even mentioning the cloud platform right when we're talking about Azure where where, right. where they are where they're all combined. So that that makes a better proposition when you go to a customer and have talk about an issue, talk about a business challenge in that sense is that we still have to do all that work on 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 analyzing and discovering what 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 is the actual uh, what is the actual issue and what we're going to do about it? But our tool set, so it's, it's something that you can display too, right? We've got our templating ready. We've, we've, got, we've got our tool set ready. We've done this before. We know how the flow works. So I think we're, we're getting there. So there's improvement on that side for sure. Excellent. Yeah, it sounds like we are starting to see some convergence then, um, some bringing together of, of these tools to try and uh, bridge the gap between each layer then. Is, is that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure, and I think you can also bring it back a bit to to the DevOps structure, right? That we we need right. to learn from each other instead of having a divide between the developer technical side and the actual operational side. And I th and I th I think the tooling and and our digital transformation and 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 cloud is definitely supporting that and helping in that, basically leading that, right? Yes, yes, so that's that's really great. Um, I think we're going to have a quick break here. I think we'll we'll. 
think we will come back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're going to come back. Uh, we'll, we'll be back in uh, in a few moments, and we'll continue on with Paul's take on this from a from a high perspective, uh, looking at all these tools and seeing how we float down and filter out to pick the right ones for our particular project. So, with that in mind, we'll take a quick break. Thanks very much, Paul and Walter, for being with me today on the Art of Software. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Private equity firms have over $1 trillion to invest. They are the biggest funding source for growing companies. Why do they reject 98% of deals? How do you get the right deal for your company? Join Kevin Fechtmeyer and his partners on the Deal Team 6 to uncover the next winning deal and avoid the financial landmines. Deal Junkie, Cracking the Private Equity Code, is broadcast live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Sergio Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Welcome back to The Art of Software. Uh, by the good graces of those that be, we are returning to you to discuss the uh, tools and technologies of software and how best to navigate the waters of uh, all these choices. Uh, we're going to continue on with uh, Paul, uh, Paul Twig from Sierra Systems, who is a VP and gets an opportunity to just oversee um, and talk with many developers in many different kinds of businesses to see what what they're using. So what's your take on this convergence uh, of uh, tools and technology occurring in the, in the, in the whole uh, technology space? 
Yeah, let, let me give you a few thoughts on that one, right? So, you know, back even even five years ago, right, di different applications required different tools. And, you know, that was evident at Sierra Systems is we had, you know, the AX stack, our CRM stack, our Oracle stack, you know, doing Java, uh, you know, our custom dev, SharePoint, all these different stacks. Now, we're really seeing that there's a, a merge of, you know, as these applications are merging together, the the tool sets are. And when we actually sit down and talk to our developers, we're actually talking about one common tool set for all of these different uh, applications uh, out there, which is making our lives easier as developers. Oh, absolutely, and that's that's kind of what I've been experiencing as well. Um, you know, the the ability to take take. Uh, uh, your design, your wireframes, or your even your documents, and be able to move them through the whole process of version control is integrated throughout the entire uh, life cycle now. Uh, do, do you see, see that as well? Yeah, I, no, I, absolutely, we do. You know, so, so some of the things that we look at. So you know, we we look at some framework tools like uh, you know Visual Studio Team Suite. Uh, you know. Uh, which can take us from beginning to end. Uh, but inside there, you know, tools like Storybook uh, to be able to do visual design of React components, uh, Balsamic uh, to do screen mockups. We can collect then our user stories um, in, inside the tool called uh, Storybook uh, as well. All of that can actually work inside VSTS, where we can then actually start breaking things down, assigning tasks to developers, doing our burndowns, and ultimately being able to then roll it out through test and uh, into production environments. And you can see a lot of the automation from beginning to end. Yeah, and, and even tracking the, the, the flaws uh, from beginning to end or comments, uh, you know, where an idea was uh, first conceived of, um, you can actually track that back all the way through, through to uh, or from a bug, um, if you wanted to, uh, which is amazing convergence. It it, it is, and think think about it. You know, bugging an application results in maybe one of two or three different things, right? No, number one, it, it's the result of a requirement not being captured correctly. It it could be the result of the requirement not being um, coded correctly, or it could be the result of just underlying operating system or framework functions, right? You, we all know that, you know, that world of uh, being able to apply patches uh, mm -hmm. on, on a system all of a sudden breaks an application. I think we've all seen it, right? Oh, yeah. How do we respond to that? Yeah, and, and that's... Just, just if, if I may, just, just some shameless... Uh, promotion of Dynamics AX and and, and uh, <laughs> tools around tools around that, right? Because this this is an actual, this is a good example that where where you see the conversions within AX is when we when we use uh, the task recorder, which is a, a, a tool or a function within AX where you can record the business process, right? Yeah. And now there is this addition to recording the business process. And then in the background, you can you, it's like a developer kind of version that you then create. The, the output is for the developer. Where it shows you records the process. It includes creating that master data and then converts it into code, which they can use, which becomes available after recording, available in their in, in Visual Studio, and they then can use it to run their automated tests and tasks with that recording. Right. So functional creates it, sends it over, but it gets sent over. Right. It's part of the same same stack, same 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 tooling. 
gets available within Virtual Studio, and he can do his work and and see um, see the coding in the background, which becomes, which if you if you take that a step further, becomes a automated test, right? It's automated testing. We can use it on the functional side too. Yes, and you know, it, taking it even further along, uh, take those functional tests and apply them on scale. So now you've got load testing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and. Which is you know, the the really cool thing. I mean, uh, I'm in you know in the Microsoft silo, as it were. So I've seen the convergence of all these various tools along the life cycle being integrated into the Visual Studio Suite. Um, and of course, as you go for forward, you you see and you can identify various technologies out there that are you know really great. And you can with uh, the way things are evolving, they're becoming more open to one another so you can integrate them. Exactly. So are you seeing a lot, lot of tools now being integrated with Visual Studio outside tools? I, I think that's exactly what's ha happening, right? And so, you know, you see the recent integration between Teams and Visual Studio. So as a build happens, now it op opens up in Teams and that gets communicated out to uh, to the team, which is where all of our documentation is stored. You know, one, one of the exciting things I think that Microsoft did a few years ago around Visual Studio, though, was to, to really make it an extension platform. So mm -hmm. to, to allow the general community to come in and start building extensions. So as, as an example, one of the uh, extensions that, you know, we always talk to our developers about uh, the, the Web Essentials and, you know, current version Web Essentials 2017, you know, yeah. there's over 20 little tools in there that are almost essential for a developer that's doing some kind of custom development. And it's an easy way to kind of weed out those developers that say, yeah, I can develop. And really what they've been doing is writing VBA scripting access versus <laughs> those developers that can really develop because they, they need the tools like the image optimizer because they understand that putting large images in applications are going to slow it down. Right. And, you know, so it, it's really that that understanding and breadth and integration of those tools, which, um, you know, brings out the, the, the true uh, capabilities of, of the developer as well, right? It, it, it is, right? And when, when you think of the roles on a project, right? When, when you look at the tools and the roles, and keep in mind, right? And this might be a little controversial, but ultimately tools are not smart. They don't think right they do what you tell them to do right or that's at least what the what the hope is with these tools and so we require the intelligence of our development teams to know these tools to be able to leverage them to get the best out of them so when you have a tool like vsts where you can have a project manager in there working with burndown you can have the the business users in there you have the architects in there you know working in visio and throwing those uh, uh, user stories into vsts all the way down through your developers your testers your deployers which could be a separate team all working out of that same tool you know you've got an integrated tool set there that's useful for a development team so when do you when do you actually approach the selection of your suite of tools um, when you're you know, for Paul and, and Walter, you know, when you're approaching a project and you're, you're dealing with a customer um, and you're going through the various needs of the project and what they're trying to achieve within their business, uh, at what point do you start talking about tools and technology? Is that part of the uh, decision on 
how you're going to approach the project, whether it's going to be waterfall or or agile or commercial off-the-shelf implementation um, using you know, AIX or some other suite of tools. Um, at, at what point do you introduce the conversation of technology? Yeah, that, that, that's a good question. It's something as a consulting company we get almost hammered with uh, from time to time. And so what we actually did st- uh, several months ago is built this thing called a tech radar. And on this tech radar, we have these list of tools that we use as a technology company when we go into organizations. Uh, what that enables is, you know, the majority of companies that we go into to, to work with, they actually look to us and they, they really don't say you must use tool X. Mm. They might say you must use technology X, but they don't tell us which tools to use because they expect us as the experts to actually come in uh, with the tools uh, there. So one of the things we try and do is very, very early on in the project, right? So even in sometimes before the before the project gets signed, there is have a good understanding with the IT department in those organizations about the build process, uh, about the deployment process, about the testing process, because that's where all these tools are going to live. So you you take a look at it from their existing technology infrastructure is what I'm hearing, and then kind of build out a way to integrate into their, their, their methodology as a business. We, we do, but it, I mean, it's still, to me, you're shocking how many uh, organizations don't have effective source control or effective source control policies. You know, something that's basic, that's been yeah. around for years and years, that is still not effective in organizations. We have organizations telling us it's not necessary. <laughs> I mean, we, we always do it, right? I mean, whether yeah. they tell us or not, it's necessary. We do source control. But, you know, Look at that as a tool, something so basic, and it, yeah. it's still not utilized. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and it, it's, it's mind-boggling mind uh, the degree to which um, some of the basic tools aren't taken advantage of. Even from a developer's perspective, uh, source control is, like, fundamental. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you live uh, without not being able to go back and say, oh, geez, two weeks ago, uh, this was working. Why, why isn't it working now? And, you know, you got to trace back and have a look at what changed. If you can't see what's changed, um, you know, how can you possibly, you know, uh, make sure that the quality of your software is, is improving? That's right. I mean, go, go and install Git. Right, get Tortoise, yeah. get get Git for Windows. You know, it's simple, it's free, it's easy. You know, and that's the basics. Totally agree with you, and I think that if nothing else, uh, we we should inspire, incense developers at every layer to make sure that they're using version control at a fundamental level, just to get out the gate. That should be a a, a no brainer. Um, <laughs> thanks for driving that home for me, Paul. Not a problem. Uh, we're going to have our, uh, our second break here. Um, we'll be right back shortly with Paul Twig and Walter Sheepstra from Sierra Systems. And we'll go into the various uh, tools uh, used for project management, as well as digging into the design side of building business applications. So thanks for our guests. We'll be right back to uh, the voice of America soft uh, voice of America um, oh my goodness gracious uh, the art of software <laughs> back shortly
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Welcome back to The Art of Software. I'm Martin Lacey from Lacey Software Technology Corporation or Lacey Software or LaceyTechnology.com. Um, we're talking with uh, Paul Twig and Walter Sheepstra from Sierra Systems about uh, the uh, tools and technology uh, on building applications today and how to best approach the choices of, of, of tools and technology and what it's like today in building applications for businesses uh, and how much that's evolved and changed from, say, you know, five years ago even. Um, so we're going to jump back into the conversation uh, with with Paul right now, and we're going to talk about team management and, and choosing, or uh, uh, project management and design tools, and how, what, what tools uh, does he see um, the business is starting to use today to define the the scope of the problem. Yeah, the, the, I mean, there's a few tools in that set, right? Uh, it depends on which side of the world you come from. I, you know, ultimately we see it's a VSTS, you know, the Visual Studio Suite versus Jira. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, you know, on the project side, you, you know. Individual projects, you might just be using Microsoft Project. Uh, if you've got multiple projects, hopefully you're on Project Online now. Uh, yep. But uh, you know, previously uh, Project Server. And again, 
those tools become really, really important for us because it's not just about managing a bunch of resources and tasks. It's about understanding the impact of change, right? They yes. develop software, change happens, I assume, in most cases, right? Um, the, you, know, you, you take all of a sudden a business requirement change, what impact is that going to have on your overall project, right? So project server, project online, uh, in fact, Jira uh, become amazing tools in providing that kind of oversight. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, it, it actually is um, it, more, uh, or to, to further the concept of uh, oversight, it actually is a feedback loop as well. So that, you know, even at the lowest level of detail, when you say how long is something going to take, and you talk to a developer, and at the you know the minutia, you could say, okay, well, this little thing is going to take maybe a day or half a day to implement. But when you look at how that impacts all the other components, and you look at the larger scope of things, to reflect that back and and say how much that will impact the schedule, how it impacts other deliverables that are connected to it downstream and how the project plan is laid out. I mean, it's a great way to relate back to the stakeholders that that small change really has a ripple effect. Yeah. yeah let, oh, let, sorry, sorry, sorry Walter. No, and, 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 and I think you're, you're driving the point home, uh, Martin, is that, that part of that whole integration that we're talking about, right, and the conversion of tools, and, and in, in my role is more about the requirement life cycle, right? Yes. When, when you looked at it traditionally, so like Paul said, you had your MS project, you maybe had your requirements in, well, hopefully a tool, but some did uh, uh, Excel or maybe in a SharePoint. And then to to quantify that that change or, or the impact on, on the requirement or, or new code that's being developed was was a was actually a guesstimate right you, you did your best but you couldn't really track and trace and now when we have uh, Visual Studio which, which basically has, has its own uh, project management in there we've got LCS lifecycle service services from Microsoft where um, you have that same link to your requirements to the code to your test cases to your users cases so Every time you make that change, it's fairly simple and at least faster than, than it used to be to to specify the impact and to make that to make that known to the um, to the business, right? Yeah, and you know it, it's you know reflecting it back all the way up to even a use case and a requirement. So yeah, sure. you know if someone comes and says, "Well, I want this change," and even happens to me today, uh, you gotta take a you know, a moment back, uh, take a step back, go, well, I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I know what you want, but there's a conflict with another requirement which wants it a different way. And you have to roll back and go back to that story and say, remember this story? This is what you wanted it to do in this particular case. How does that relate to this new view of the world? Yeah, for sure. And it's also the, the let's call that inter-team communications, right? So now, based yes. on 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 the the relation that is there and that is visible, it's also easy to to point out. Well, I need to talk to this developer, or I need to talk to this business analyst, or right. So you can make that more tangible, I guess. Yeah, and you can follow follow it up, uh, trace it back, and make sure that all the parties are. Um, that might be impacted by a downstream decision, uh, yep. you know, are okay with it. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you, I, I see this all the time, you know, you're in, in sprints, uh, you might be in, you know, the nth sprint and somewhere back N minus five, you made a decision to do something one way. And now you're in another sprint and someone come, comes up with a brilliant idea, but it doesn't take into account what you've done. And you need to be able to relate that back in an honest and coherent way. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. Just to, just to add to that, Martin, you, you follow good software development practices, right? You, you've got to do unit testing. And I, I think that, you know, this, that conversation that you, you're having here really emphasizes that, you know, as a user's just asked for that change, that change contradicts another requirement that's out there. Somebody's got to make a decision, but at the end of that decision, a, a developer has to write some code. Now, those those two requests could be three months apart. The yes. developer is not going to remember what they coded three months ago. Totally. If a unit test is not in place, there's no way that that code that was written three months ago is now going to be tested under a new set of requirements. So using tools like XUnit right, for unit testing, I think become essential, an essential part of that developer's backpack. Absolutely. You know, that that's a really... Really good point um, for for tracking the integrity of this system. Those test cases, you know, if it if it passed the test case when you built it three months ago, and it doesn't pass the test case now, why? And take take that to the next step. So we've just released to production. Six months later, we get now a new budget for version two. Version two is just a few modifications to version one. You could be have a completely separate development team. You, business could be going in a completely separate way. We know what the cost of testing version two, version X, right, is in, in for an application. It's ginormous compared with testing version one because version one's always seen as this clear, pure form of the application. Yes. So if, if you have those test cases, going all the way back to your requirements in version one using the same system, then all of a sudden you become a little bit more protected as a developer as you make those changes. Absolutely. And don't you agree, Walter? I do. I do, yeah. And on the implementation side, do you find that that becomes a critical aspect to to implementation, making sure that you've got these test cases there to be executed automatically? Yeah, for sure, and that's slowly but surely where we're where we're going to, right? So we're we're not there yet, uh, but we're getting. And especially when I, when we spoke about the conversion of certain tools, and, and I mentioned the task recorder, right? That that's going to be a big step for uh, for us as a uh, as a practice and for our for our clients to to do that automated testing, to be able to to specify that upfront, create them, and run them over and over again when we need them. So when we take a look at the um, projects from the tools perspective on managing the design or managing the project and getting the design right, um, is there any difference between the different types of project, waterfall, uh, sprint? Um, because you know, sprint, you're iterating through and you might continue to do design and pulling out requirements as you go through, whereas waterfall is you know, more upfront doing all the requirements and very staged progression of, of the projects. Is, is Does that have an imp- impact on the tools chosen? Yeah, I, I personally 
don't believe so. Uh, I think you know you've got the same concept, right? So you take a look at any application. Uh, you're going through an analysis phase, a design phase, a coding phase, uh, a, a test phase, deployment. You're going through all these same phases, no matter the methodology that's chosen. Uh, there and so, ultimately, from a developer's perspective, the tool set's the same. You know, we we right. go into Visual Studio VSTS, and we, we might choose the waterfall way of doing things, or we might choose the agile way of doing things, which enables different features, different kinds of reporting uh, inside the tool. But the tool's the same. Okay, well that that that's that's comforting. Uh, <laughs> you know, now, um, <laughs> I, I could give you one area though that that's still problematic for us and you know that and this is the area that I think that Walter comes from uh, as well and you know my, myself with SharePoint is ultimately when we start looking at applications there's still the you could say the ask out there by our clients to make things happen in production today. So, you know, we'll get we'll get a request for a SharePoint change. We might just open up SharePoint Designer, connect it straight to the production system, make that change. All of a sudden, we've bypassed all of our code repository. We've right. bypassed all of our testing. Uh-huh. Our <laughs> but, hey, the fix happened in five do. minutes, right, <laughs> which is what it was all about, right? Yeah. So, which one's appropriate? Right. You know, it... it I have to admit and agree with you. We have these nice uh, progression ways to move code into production environment in a traditional, in a well-planned, well-designed, well-thought-out methodology from development to QA to you know to test to uh, pre-production to production, and of course we have our backdoor, the hot fix area. Hey, you just, you just got to follow follow the patterns, right? You know, even even in the application space, there's patterns and practices. You know, SharePoint patterns yeah, and practices, stick to the plan. example, right. that say this is how you do it, right? And yes. it follows the good way of software development. Yes, absolutely. And with that in mind, we're going to take a final break. Uh, We'll be back to talking about code management tools and testing tools and deployment tools, lifecycle tools. Continue on with our discussion of the breadth of the tools as they apply to the technologies uh, needed to implement projects, um, both from the ground up as well as uh, implementation services, adopting existing products and making them fit within your infrastructure. So with that in mind, we're going to take our final break. Thanks to Paul Twig and Walter Schiefstra from Sierra Systems. We'll be back with them in just a moment. I'm... Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
In this fast-paced, technologically driven world of business, the stress can be crushing. It's exhausting business leaders and burning out good employees. It is not enough to work from the top down. We must now learn to work from the inside out. Listen to Innovative Mindful Solutions with Terry Geller. We will discuss ways to transform roadblocking emotions using mindful-based tools you can incorporate into your business and your life right now. Don't stress. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Thursday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Hi, and welcome back to The Art of Software. I'm Martin Lacey. We're talking today with um, our friends from Sierra Systems, uh, Walter Sheepstra and Paul Twig. We're talking about uh, tools and technology and software, um, what are the best ones to use, or the convergence thereof, and how how projects are approaching today uh, their tool choices and how that helps the whole landscape of uh, developing and implementing business systems um, and how, you know, that, that's actually been a, a, a real grassroots support from the development, um, from the developer's perspective, all the way up to management and overseeing projects and making sure that they have co- consistency, uh, co- code quality, and reliability going forward. So it's really about making software better and better uh, as we go forward. So in our final segment today, we want to talk about the actual development and testing tools. We've touched on it a bit, quite a bit actually, in our previous segments. Uh, We've talked about Visual Studio uh, quite a lot, and that seems to be a a really popular choice nowadays. Uh, Microsoft has done some amazing things, um, and where they haven't done amazing things, they've acquired the companies that have. Mm. <laughs> so you know that that kind of sets the stage for uh, how how much um, you know the, this this sprawling uh, array of tools of tools that are available to build out any type of application uh, against any particular area of the software stack is all converging and being integrated into a couple of um, well-positioned players. And of course, the the smaller pro- products or things that help support business applications are, are being sorted through and we're getting the best of breed um, integrating into these applications. And some are being acquired, some are not. 
but the end result is that we have the ability to integrate um, into a comprehensive development environment, IDE, Integrated Development Environment, uh, tools that support the development process from the concept all the way to test and deployment. So with, you know, with that large preamble, uh, Paul, if we could jump right into uh, code management and testing tools, what do you see that are, are being used now in terms of looking at software um, as it's been built and to test, uh, to, to look at it from a regression perspective, make sure, making sure that it did what it said it was supposed to do and continues to do that? Yeah, this, this is a hot topic, right? I, you know, I, I spent a, a fair number of years in my career uh, managing a service desk, and we actually built it and managed it. And, uh, you know, it, I, I can't tell you the amount of uh, bad words we used when we pointed at developers. Uh, there. <laughs> and maybe this is the wrong show to get into that. Uh, no, it demonstrates the abuse that we get, Paul. <laughs> but you know, the the big thing was our developers are developing in a black box. They create this awesome application. They use all these standards, and then they forget one big thing: login. Right. <laughs> so being able to use a tool like Serilog, right, uh, to to add login into your application, or you know, if you're logging into Azure, uh, which, you know, now a lot of our applications are, to use mm -hmm. the application insights in Azure. I don't know if you've ever seen that, right? Oh, and Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I use application insights in my uh, web development. I've actually got a product of my own. Huh. <laughs> Isn't it cool, though? You go and yeah. See the view load time, how long it took to process a particular page, the amount yeah. of network traffic that's being processed, that in itself is priceless because the amount of times I've seen developers create these awesome grids in applications and then they download this 200 gigabyte database into that grid to display it to the end user and wonder <laughs> why it's running slow. <laughs> it right? looks great you know, if you're doing a video because you can edit out all that time. But not in real life, right? Not, not in real life. And so your application insights, literally out of the box without really too much configuration. You know, I think on, on the Microsoft website, there's a 10-page document that talks about it uh, there to, to show you how to configure it. You know, I can configure it. It gives you all that information. So why are we still developing in a black box? Why are we still saying, hey, we don't know why this application caused that problem? Absolutely. Right? Our developers need to bring login tools, again, like Serilog, right? This is the standard that we use at Sierra mm. into their application development. Yeah, and it's, it's funny you bring that up, or not funny, but uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that, that, that was an aspect of building applications for my current client that uh, I had to insist on putting in place um, because of the insights it provided into how the application performed vis-a-vis -vis their changes to the underlying infrastructure. You know, you're, you're, you're going all virtual and, you know, they're changing the hardware on you and the application starts to behave differently and you're wondering why. Uh, so you need to have uh, performance characteristics, how long it took a page to load, how long it took 
uh, a ping to go from one client to the next or from the client to the server? How long a, a particular store procedure took to run? I mean, you just be, just being able to look at that over time and see that, well, what has changed? I mean, th- those kind of statistics are just like you know, jaw-dropping. Well, and you can get all the stats out of Visual Studio, even all the way down to the execution of a store procedure in a database, right? All of those stats, when you look through load testing and performance testing, uh, you can bring them into Visual Studio. So let's use the tool and make, make the applications work. Absolutely, and I think that's that's a, a key aspect to this. It's it's that whole feedback loop. We keep coming coming back to the necessity or the benefits of this feedback loop uh, from testing, getting that information, that quantitative and qualitative data back to the developers, all the way back up to the the stakeholders when it comes to a change in in requirements. I mean, it's that that feedback and making sure everybody, uh, right from the developers and the team of developers, uh, up to management, what's going on. Correct. And and, and I just want to add, because Paul is more on the on the bleeding edge side of things, right? On and and uh, so there's there's more tool selection there that 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 can happen. I think uh, if you if you compare it to uh, an ERP implementation on, on, on our side, on a more enterprise side, right? There, there is this stack that we have available for Microsoft, which is, which gives you that loop, right? And and yes, you basically can't walk up to a a client anymore and say, well, I I don't have that loop available, right? We've got a separate set of tools, and and the developer uses that, and then we'll 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 talk to him, and then we'll we'll make it available in the, in in our requirements gathering tool or whatever, right? You, you know that there is no way that you can that you don't get away with that anymore, right? So that loop. Uh, as you call it, that convergence, that that that, that life cycle, is just needs to be there. And and we've got we've got the Microsoft stack to to help us there, right? With Azure and Visual Studio and Team Foundation, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the, the we're okay. Seems like we're coming to the end of this, today's show. Uh, I want to thank Paul and Walter for coming on board with us today. Uh, we've had a really interesting discussion on tools and technologies and the convergence that are, that's going on and the benefit of the integration of all these tools under one larger umbrella. Um, so it's been an interesting and fantastic discussion today. Uh, please join me next week when we're talking a bit further about um, security, uh, the ethics in software and other issues related to uh uh, protecting your systems and your environment. So thanks for being with us today. Uh, I'm Martin Lacey, Lacey Software Technology, uh, and this is The Art of Software. Thank you for listening to The Art of Software. Be sure to join your host, Martin Lacey, again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.